And welcome back to another episode of Rad Talk, where sports and medicine collide. I'm Dennis. And I'm Gage. And today we got uh, we got a juicy little episode for you guys. But we had, um, I don't want to say this, we, have a, we need to make a point of clarification about, uh, it was brought to our, you know, Dennis's attention and then he told me that I said something in episode one that I need to clarify. Um, so we were talking just to give a little background, we were talking about uh, how you and I met, mm-hmm. and then it led to the point of ultrasound techs are a little more interactive with the radiologist and other types of techs. And I said, um, the techs don't matter outside of radiology, which was a little bit of a, a misspeak. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the context we were talking about, I meant more so uh, we rely on you guys a little bit more for interpretation mm-hmm. and like uh, what's communication about, right. you know, what you see on the exam and, you know, right. some of the findings and if you label, you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, the other, obviously the other texts matter, you know, good tech can, can make your life much easier. And then I tend to be focused on the other side where, I mean, a, I think a bad tech, not having bad techs is more important than having good techs because mm-hmm. a bad tech can, ruin just they just make everything so much worse right so i think the ct ultrasound uh i mean ct x-ray mr text we don't i don't rely on them as much for interpretation of images or to to communicate things or you know stuff like that where they're a little more important is uh procedurally you know with ir or non-ir type procedures they're good with their machines. MR doesn't really do a whole bunch of procedures, but X-ray and CT do quite a few. So if you have a good tech that can help with positioning and, you know, getting the patient, especially um, what's the, what's the word, like calming the patient down, you know, cause a lot of patients, the doctors order these uh, tests and they don't explain what's about to happen. So the first time the patient's hearing about it is when I tell them like, Hey, this is what we're about to do. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good tech, uh, in ultrasound, I mean, in CT or x-ray, it can help mm-hmm. calm the patient down. And then if they're really good, they can help speed the procedure along. I remember we had one guy at my, in my residency who had been doing it for like, I don't know, 35 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And he was good enough. And we trusted him that he actually set up, he set up the patient. And if you were doing say like a, a joint injection, mm-hmm. we would let him mark the skin and clean the skin. So he'd pretty much tell us where to go and everything. So we right. could just walk in, stick the needle in, put the contrast in, and we're out. So I meant in my point where is ultrasound is more much more important in terms of interpreting the exam. Mm-hmm. And even I would say maybe protocoling is probably a little bit even across the board. You know, we're ultra or radiologists are good enough at protocoling ultrasound, like, you know, mm-hmm. if they have symptoms X, Y, and Z, we know which exam to give them. Right. But it's just we'll talk about it a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. coming up with this, the the lack of standardization in ultrasound. I mean, it really, Mm -hmm. frankly, kind of just pisses me off. Whereas (laughs) if you look at like a, a CT admin pelvis Mm -hmm. is a CT admin pelvis is they're all the same. Mm -hmm. The protocol is all the same. A shoulder MR, all they're all the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then X-ray, you know, you get the same projections every time. So it's much more standardized. So I don't need Mm -hmm. as much help. 
Yeah. With you know interpretation. Don't forget nuclear. Don't forget nuclear, man. Yeah, nuclear is its own thing. I don't read a whole bunch of nuke med. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't stand it. So, but they, you'll the the guys that read it, they do rely a little bit more on those texts than you would uh, some other ones too. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't happen to read right ultra. I mean, uh, nuke med as as much as the other modalities. Mm-hmm. So, Thanks. we just wanted to clarify texts. <laughs> You know, hey, everybody texts are important. You're, you're so, important. It can make and break an exam, no matter who it is. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But that leads perfectly into the, you know, the next segment, which we're going to steal from uh, our friend Peter Griffin. <laughs> and uh, we had a couple. Another thing we'll talk about in the upcoming episode or here here is my first month as an attending. So mm-hmm. I've had a lot of experiences as an attending that. I didn't have as like a fellow or a resident. So what we're going to do here is take right. Peter's segment and mm-hmm. mention some things that kind of grind our gears. Right. And essentially things that kind of piss us off. And most of this has happened recently. That's why it's fresh in our minds. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you go first. Cause you had the first, you had the first thing that yeah, kind of prompted I, this segment. Yeah. I think um, what's what we had a uh, kind of bugged me is um, I had a, a, a somebody come through the ER and they needed a, they had had this mass for a long period of time and it was well documented and well known. The ER doctor ordered an ultrasound for us to look at this mass mm-hmm. that they thought that felt larger than before. And it just so happened that um, the radiologist also said that they were going to follow up with a dedicated ultrasound and a dedicated other modality that would look at this mass. Mm-hmm. And so we we're going to do an ultrasound that we know that we we're going to do another ultrasound, another dedicated radiologic exam out, outpatient wise, regardless. And so we're looking at something that we know exists and it just, the radiologist said it didn't make sense. Yeah. The ER doctor was kind of like, I don't really think we really need to do anything about this, but the patient was like, it feels different. It feels larger. Um, They were worried. And so they ordered it. The rad told me we're going to do it and I'm going to recommend the other exams afterwards and it was just like like if we don't do this exam today and she can get in or he can get in a week from now or a, a you know a couple days mm-hmm. from now as an outpatient yeah like that's we're saving her money we're saving the reading we're saving this time yeah um, which every but it seemed like everybody thought was just we're, we're doing this just because, and so we're like wasting time, we're wasting resources, we're wasting mm-hmm. money, we're wasting a bed in the ER. And so it was really frustrating that they didn't just schedule it for the outpatient exam yeah. and do what we should have done. But they, even if we'd have found something that was different, I feel like they, they're still going to go through the next, we're still going to do the same thing regardless. Yeah. Like they're not yeah. going into immediate surgery for like and so that was just that's a hard thing to and it seems like it's it's happened obviously before this isn't the first time 
Um, but these things happen and you're just, it's hard to comprehend why if everybody knows it's not like the right thing to do, we do and we do these things. And I think a lot of times it's for lawyer purposes and it's American what, healthcare. What if yeah. it's like one in a million, yeah. one in a whatever, you know, yeah. and, and I know those exist and that happens, but we would have caught that. What if in a week or two or whatever yeah. that follow-up was and saved her yeah. the, or him the time. Well, yeah. Life. You're essentially practicing for the exception and not the rule. When right. you do that. So right. there's a couple a couple issues when you first mentioned this to me. I've been on not both sides of the coin, but I have two different perspectives because I was a resident or a trainee, I guess, right. you know, and now I'm on the other side of the coin as being an attending. Mm-hmm. So when you first mentioned this to me, my first thought was most residents and fellows have the same thought as you got as you had, which was mm-hmm. why the why the hell are we doing this? Right. Um because it's extra work for you. Mm-hmm. It's extra work for us to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. You have to put the patient through. I mean, it's an ultrasound. It's not like painful or anything, but right. you have to put them through the process and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. when I was a resident and fellow, I would get like extremely angry when I had to read things that mm-hmm. I knew were medically unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, and then that brings up another point that we can talk about in a minute, but mm-hmm now that I'm on the other side, I understand where you're attending is coming from where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of just have to do it because radiology, unfortunately is uh, referral based, right? We rec- we, we uh, rely on other people to order imaging. You know, we right. can't order the imaging ourselves. Yeah. So he or she, what a radiologist was playing a political game by not pissing off the right. ultrasound or the ER doctor right. and just doing the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying they were right, right. Uh, but I don't know if you're for the people listening. There's the way things are set up. I don't know if your radiologist was a partner, or if they were like me, an associate just starting out. Yeah. If they were an associate, you don't want to piss off the partners yeah. by pissing off the ER doctor, who then goes to complain to your, you know, your senior partners, and they're like, "Well, why the hell did you say no? It's it's just it's just an ultrasound, you know." Yeah. You can read it in five minutes and recommend the dedicated ultrasound and whatever right. afterwards. Yeah. Right. So he's playing, he or she is playing a, a political game. Mm. And then frankly, another thing is we don't do the ultrasound, so we don't care. Right. <laughs> like just being honest, no, it's true. you guys, you guys do it. And then right. it shows up on our, our list and it takes us five minutes to read. Right. So we're like, well, you know, why would I risk pissing off? the mm-hmm. ER doctor, maybe the ER doctor's connected. Maybe they're part right. of the board of directors at the hospital. And you're just like, well, shit, I just pissed off you know, the people that are, yeah. That, it's t- that If you work for the hospital, they sign your checks, they do all this, they control stuff. So mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want, I don't want to risk it. Yeah. But then at the same time, you also know the, you're kind of wasting resources, right? Like your this right. is, exam is not needed. Mm-hmm. And then even though it's the patient who wants it, Mm-hmm. They're going to be pissed off when they get the bill. Right. And they're like, well, we're going to do another ultrasound anyway. And well, yeah. the, you could be like, we tried to tell you. Yeah. You can wait two or three days and get in right. and skip this part. Yeah. But so I can see both sides. And I, I, as a, you know, when you're young and you think you can change things, you're like, well, sh- you know why? This is stupid. We need to put right. foot down. Mm-hmm. Then as you get older and they just kind of beat it out of you, you're like, just do the, you know, just do the damn just exam. Do- 
it's so much easier to not hear people complain. Just do right. it and we'll be done. And I think, and I, and I hope in this instance that they, they told this patient that, okay, we're going to do this um, because you're having these issues now and this, do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. But I've talked to the radiologist and the radiologist is also going to recommend a dedicated exam for this and another radiologic study um, immediately afterwards, not immediately, but as quickly as you can. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the patient knows, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and so then, you know, in a week or two weeks or whenever they make the next appointment, the patient knows, you know, okay, I just had this done, but I, they told me we were going to do this and they told me we we're going to do it again. And so like, I'm prepared to do the same thing yeah. essentially again. And so they're not just like, we just did this like two weeks ago. Why am I doing this? Again? This doesn't make any sense. And they're yeah. like, no, we told you we're going to do this again. And so I, I hope that, uh, not something That's, I followed up with, yeah. but I hope that they, they didn't just like do the exam and then they're just like, okay, we're going to do it again in two weeks. And she, she or he or she's like, uh, why? Like least favorite aspects of radiology is that I don't get to tell the patient mm. anything. Right. So if I see something in my exam or if I recommend follow-up, I don't get to explain myself. Mm-hmm. And then I know majority of the time that the ordering provider probably doesn't either one, they don't explain it at all or two, they can't explain it because they're not yeah. a radiologist. Right. So that's a frustrating part about radiology. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that this brings up, this is a, a tangent that we can, we could go on, okay. but you essentially said you did this exam because the patient wanted it. Right. Which one of my biggest issues with American healthcare mm-hmm. is Americans because they have no idea what's mm-hmm. urgent and mm-hmm. what's emergent. Mm-hmm. So you, you didn't, you didn't say this, but I know you work in the ER. This was an ER patient. Right. And I know what the diagnosis was for this patient. And I can tell you it was not emergent. Mm-hmm. So this person should have either gone to an urgent care mm-hmm. or just made an appointment with their um, primary. Yeah, primary doctor. Mm-hmm. So I get extremely pissed off when Americans don't know urgent versus emergent. Mm-hmm. Like if I get studies that I'm like, this is, this is coming from the ER, but this is, an urgent care thing, or this, you should have gone to your primary doctor for this and then worked it up. Right. So, and that contributes to rising costs in healthcare right. and unnecessary exams, yada, yada, yada. And, and then that's the same token with a lot of patients that don't have insurance, you know, they don't yeah. have a primary care. So then where can mm-hmm. I, my primary care doctor is the ER doctor. And so yeah. that's that, you know, that's where our hospitals, Reason I'm trying, part of the reason why they have to charge so much because you're bleeding money from yeah. people who don't have. Yeah, insurance. I mean the insured, the in, people that are insured end up paying for the people that are not insured. Right, right, that's, right. You that's know, just, we're getting into business. And yeah, politics, yeah. It's just a crazy system, you know. It's that's so just how important. you know. That's how American. That's how American medicine works, unfortunately. Yeah. So. Uh, for sure. So and that we, was that 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 would piss me. That did piss me off too when I was a resident. So I I can empathize with you being angry about that Mm -hmm. so the next one since i uh i shit on all the other techs (laughs) in episode one i'm about to shit on the ultrasound techs in this Uh, episode yeah so i have a few things and i just remembered some more oh no these are all ultrasound related because i had like two or three shifts recently that were i was the ultrasound person (laughs) so the one is not really ultrasound it's not the tech's fault 
Mm-hmm. It's the lack of standardization we've talked about mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we, I always use the example of uh, right upper quadrant ultrasound. Yeah. One, it's not the same in every hospital. You've, you've mentioned before that sometimes it includes the pancreas, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't, yada, yada, yada. So you're already off to a bad start. Sometimes mm-hmm. they include the pancreas, sometimes they don't. Right. And then sometimes people start with the pancreas, mm-hmm. which is the way I prefer it. I want them to start with the pancreas. Right. Okay. So then they start the pancreas and then they go to the liver. Boom. Okay. We're two for two so far. But then I get a whole bunch where it's like they go liver and then they're like, oh, here's the gallbladder. Then they do the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, here's the left lobe of the liver. And they go back to the liver. And I'm just like, no. Because now <laughs> I, I use a templated report. So I have to go liver. Then I have to go to the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. Then I have to go back to the liver section. Then I have to go back to the gallbladder section when you mentioned mm-hmm. the biliary ducts, right? So I have right, to just right. boom, boom. I have to keep dicking around back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So the, that has driven, it's not that, like I said, it's not the tech's fault, but that just drives me up a wall. Mm-hmm. There's no standardization. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why the other modalities are a little bit better in, term, in that regard because right. it's, everything's the same every time. And that's a confusing even, and just to even different hospitals that you can order a gallbladder study and that's all mm-hmm. we do, or you can order a liver study and that's all we do. As opposed to some hospital, you order a gallbladder study and you do a complete right upper quadrant. And yeah. I, and I don't understand, and I, I, my understanding is, which is minimal, but I think we bill for it's the same yeah. thing. It's the, it, like if I do a right upper quadrant or if I do a gallbladder, I think they bill the same. Um, that's that i don't know the billing either but yeah yeah I feel, I, I, if it's yeah. billing the same i'm pissed off and i'm reading all these extra organs <laughs> for, no, these for extra, no reason yeah or we're, you're doing the extra organs yeah um it's yeah I, I can totally understand that or you know labeling some some folks label you know they label it liver and they look at the gallbladder while they're labeling it liver yeah um there's a yeah. lot of different different things I've seen. I, I can understand as being a radiologist where you're just like, what the heck are you doing? Like, just, I mean, in, in your guys's mind, it's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way they do, that's how they do the exam every time. So it makes sense to you guys. Cause that's how you do it every time. Yeah. But now we have to adjust because Dennis does it one way. This tech does it this way. Another tech does it this way. Mm-hmm. So now I have to adjust my reading style, which to most people doesn't seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if you're a radiologist, you know that if you alter the way you read, that's how you miss things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, you have a, ch- I have a checklist. I read the CT abdomen pelvis. I read it in the same order every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I say the exact same thing every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So when I have to keep flipping back and forth, that's how yep. you miss things. Right. And then that's how, you know, mm-hmm. people get sued. And by right. people, I mean me, like I'm the one that's going to get sued, you know, not you guys. It's true. So, yeah, repetition, repetition, repetition. If you can constantly do the same repetition of order, even if it's something new, you know, as you see a, a, a disease, something that you need to mention, you're still through your repetitions. So it can throw everything off. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's see, there's another one. Uh, I hate, hate, hate when you guys find something that is not supposed to be in the exam. Like you, you're doing oh. a um what's the like a dvt study yep yep and you find a baker cyst or you find a lymph node don't fucking show me that <laughs> now i have to comment on it yeah I'm pissed off like just do not show it 
you're in charge of the images. Right. I trust that if Dennis sees what he thinks is a popliteal cyst, mm-hmm. he can diagnose it as a popliteal cyst. He knows that it doesn't mean diddly dick and he mm-hmm. lets it go. Mm-hmm. Do, oh, I get so angry. Oh my gosh. Because they find some stuff that I'm just like, now I'm cornered. I have to yeah. mention it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not as simple as uh, a benign lymph node or a popliteal cyst or something where I can just write it off and say, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. There's one that they found a, like a fluid collection or something. It was a mm-hmm. DVT study and they found yeah. a fluid collection on like mm-hmm. the side of the leg. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's, you guys should not be over there. But mm-hmm. because the patient's like, oh, I hurt here. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. yeah. Do not go searching for stuff. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's tough. And I, I see both sides um, because I see so many times that these, these patient comes in and they're having leg pain and they say, well, I have a leg pain on my lateral portion of my leg and the ER doctor, whomever orders a DVT study. And you're like, okay, like the pain's over here. So the, the, so the ordering doctors, yeah. ordering the wrong, they're ordering the wrong exam. Yeah. They, they need to order a, a non, which means you do the wrong exam, which means that I'm doing I'm looking for a blood clot when I need to be looking for yeah. a non-vascular study. And so I'm doing the wrong exam and I'm looking and I'm like, I can validate. Okay. So I'm looking at the um, uh, perineal vein. So I can look at the perineal veins or the posterior tibs on a lateral portion of the, the mm-hmm. leg. And so, and then yeah. I find that fluid collection. Or what even, you fuckers do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. and, and, or, or, or I'm looking at your carotid arteries and I see a thyroid nodule. Yep. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I want to throw my fist through the fucking screen when you guys mention stupid stuff like that. Oh my god! And so you put, you know, incidental finding of yeah, incidental, incidental, yeah. yeah. And then uh, you have to you have to recommend some sort of a follow up or yeah. Or, and unless they're like ninety five, and I'm like, I don't care at this point if they're under. I don't know, 75, 80. I have to now recommend the dedicated thyroid ultrasound, For which sure. I know you guys are going to be pissed off about doing. Because now we have to do so, it. Yeah. And, it's, and it's tough. And I've seen that a lot. Like they are like, okay, they saw this. And I think we've, I think we've, I've had conversations or people have had conversations with ER doctors. Like if you don't think it's a blood clot, like if they're coming in for pain on the lateral portion of their leg and you think it's like mm-hmm. a, you know, a fluid collection, like don't order a blood clot. Don't like order the non-vascular study. And then if you still, you know, the, or order them both, I guess, which would, which kind of well, sucks. Now I'm getting two exams. Yeah. When, yeah. I could, when I could, when I could do it under the DVT study and I can look on the ladder on, on that area. Yeah. Should <laughs> I walk over there? Maybe not, but I can get no, away with it because those are also some deep veins on the lateral portion there. Uh, but I can see why you'd be upset because you're just you like, guys will, oh, yeah, you guys will justify it however you can, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had I've had phone calls from radiologists saying like exactly what you said. <laughs> Don't look at this is not a non vasco study. Look for the blood clots. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I look for the blood clots and I saw that. Like <laughs> yeah. so, well, there yeah. Don't hit save on the image where you saw it. <laughs> so, I think that would that that aspect of ultrasound would change if you guys were ever to read your own studies. You wouldn't you wouldn't go looking for stuff that wasn't supposed to be a part of the exam. So well, it creates more work for you, but it creates more work for us too. But I think I think I don't know, and I, and I think 
because I feel like sometimes if we don't, like that patient came in for this pain, this fluid, whatever it was, and we mm-hmm. found it and now we found the problem. And so I was like, I want to find the problem. I don't want to create more of a whatever for you and whatever for me. I, I found the problem. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to have to probably do another exam or have to do something else. Yeah. You have to mention it. More things arise. But it's like, okay, at least like, I don't know. As a patient, I feel like the hardest thing sometimes is like medicine is finding what the heck's wrong. And so like we figure out what's wrong. It sucks all around for us to do it, you to read it, the patient to at least they found out what's wrong. I, I don't know. It, I, I've, I've had many conversations with radiologists who yeah. probably, who literally probably hated my guts yeah. because I've found stuff that I was not looking for. Yeah. And I may have went out of my way to exactly. Because yeah. I mean, now, now if they come in and they're like, I'm having, you know, leg pain and they order an abdomen, I'm not going to go down in their leg. Yeah, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> but if I'm looking at your I'd fire you on the spot if that were yeah, what if you're I'm looking doing. at your carotid artery and I'm going by and I see, oh, there's the, the thyroid. Oh, there's some crazy nodules or whatever. Like, okay, like I see that. I can justify that. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because I've had so many conversations with Rads about these, that pet peeve alone. Mm-hmm. I think – I mean, this is kind of along the same things. And I mentioned this off the camera, off uh, recording, but mm-hmm. I, I, when you guys mention stuff, sometimes I feel cornered. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want to disagree with you, but now I can't. Because <laughs> you, you've put it in the little sheet. It's now in the patient's chart, record, whatever. I hate, I hate that. So thing. I yeah. can't. We, we use the example of uh, steatosis, mm-hmm. which I personally think you guys overdiagnose as sonographers. 100%. But I feel obligated to say that there's steatosis, unless I have uh, like other imaging, like if I have a CT that clearly shows there's no steatosis, right. then I will, then I'll disagree. But if I don't, I feel cornered that I mm-hmm. have to mention there's it. Some, there was an ex- a finding tonight where I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're, I, I don't see it, but mm-hmm. I feel obligated. I had to say it because you put it down, or mm-hmm. not you, but the tech put it down. Right. So sometimes those the sheets are helpful because it lets me know what you guys are thinking. But then you guys put down everything, and I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't agree with this. Yeah. Now I feel cornered, and mm-hmm. you know, what if this does? You know, even if it's even if your finding doesn't come out to be true, or mm-hmm. but something else happens, and I get sued, and they're like, oh, we saw you didn't mention, you know, the sonographer mentioned this, and you didn't. You're just like, well, shit. There, yeah. So, well, they were wrong. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah. So ultrasound's just not my it's not my favorite modality to read, so I do get angry when I have mm-hmm. to read it. But these are these are some of the things that, that drive me that piss me yeah. off. And then but, go ahead. Yeah, I say well the steatosis thing, that's and I agree with you. I think a lot of times because it's it's so you're looking we're comparing the steatosis, especially the liver, with, with the kidney or the vessels in uh yeah. the portobatus, porta hepatis. Um and so it's it's a lot of times called fatty liver, fatty liver, fatty liver. Yeah. I think you, I think as a sonographer, you see a fatty liver so often that it messes you up if you see a normal liver. You don't know what normal is, yeah. Yeah, you start forgetting what normal looks like because everybody has a fatty liver. Like it's just the issue with uh, ultrasound and steatosis specifically is sure you can use the right kidney as like a a standard, but there's mm-hmm. just no there's no standard for steatosis right. whereas like an on, on an on a ct i can take the hound's food units and say 
the established number is 40. If it's below 40, it's steatosis. If it's not, it's not steatosis. If it's right. an enhanced study, if it doesn't enhance by X amount more than the spleen, it's steatosis. So mm-hmm. there's like hard set rules that say this is steatosis. Ultrasound, right. it's like, oh, I can't really see the diaphragm. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. there's just shit that's made up that are like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's steatosis. It's just, it's not. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, we've mentioned this before, but I think ultrasound is a good screening tool. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a very good diagnostic tool outside of certain, like it's good for DVTs, you know. Right. Yeah, torsion. We have testicular torsion. Yeah, the torsion DVT. It's good for cholecystitis. It has certain yeah. things. Right. Right. But That's in my mind, it's more of a screening exam. Whereas mm-hmm. if I see something, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what this is. So right. if, if you bring a if you bring a cirrhotic patient in, you do your ultrasound, you see a non-specific hyperechoic lesion you're like oh, this could be hcc so now i get to go to mr which is mm-hmm. going to be much better than the ultrasound yeah, much better but yeah ultrasound has its depth i told right uh, i told you some of the things on ultrasound are good lord <laughs> good lord <laughs> it's good it's good for it's good for a lot of things yeah uh, yeah you mentioned torsion it's good for testicular cancer it's actually the you know the way to go if you're going to mm-hmm. diagnose it so yeah. it has its uses. It's good for procedures. It's really good for procedures because there's no radiation. Yeah. It's live, right? I, I could see my needle as mm-hmm. I'm doing the procedure. Right. So it's really good for procedures. So, I mean, but it has its uses. Right. Which was interesting because I, I work with, I've worked at so many different places and I, and I know it's, um, I had a conversation with one of the radiologists that they use CT there. It's just what you guys were trained in. Like they'll use CT for a liver biopsy or CT for Mm -hmm. kidney biopsy versus an ultrasound. And it's just the comfort level of the radiologist Mm -hmm. of what they were, you know, and you're just like, cause I go places and like, Oh, okay. We're doing liver biopsies. And then other places I'm like, why are we not doing liver biopsies? Like all in CT. And it's just the comfort level of what, you know, Mm -hmm. what you were trained to, how the way you were trained to do it. Um, and yeah, so, for the most part, it's comfort levels. There's obviously, like, if you get a four, you get a patient my size using ultrasound, it's going to be tough, right? Because it's going to yeah. be hard to penetrate. Right. So CT is going to be much better to do mm-hmm. if you have to do a deep biopsy, like a kidney or something like that. Right. right. And then obviously ultrasound, you can't do a lung because you can't see through the lung. So right. CT is better. But for the most part, ultrasound I think is is probably better just because there's no radiation. It's mm-hmm. really quick. It's so much quicker. Yeah. So, and I, I personally struggle with CT because I can't adjust it, uh, live. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I have to put the needle in. I have to either, you know, do the CT floral or step out. Like I can't mm-hmm. ultrasound. I can like watch my needle as I'm doing it. Right. Same with like floral. So I'm, I'm much better, more comfortable with floral and mm-hmm. ultrasound procedures for that reason. Right. Right. Preference. But, uh, okay. So the last one, the, the last thing that really ticked us off was both of us. Mm-hmm. but I was the one that brought this up. I read a, I forget. It was an ultrasound at like four thirty. No, I read it at five. It was ordered at four thirty, mm-hmm. but it, it, it came from one of our remote sites. So it mm-hmm. takes a little bit longer to get uploaded. And then, you know, finally on the yeah. list. So yeah. by the time I got to it, it was probably five or five fifteen, and mm-hmm. I finished it by five thirty. Mm-hmm. and it was, how do I want to describe it? It was a finding that was serious, mm-hmm. but it was not going to kill the patient. Mm-hmm. that day right? right it's something that needed to be addressed mm-hmm. so i tried to call the provider and one of my partners heard me mm-hmm. because it was it was an outpatient study which is why i had the issue so i yeah. called the office 
you know, his, the provider's office, I get the answering service and they're like, Oh, it's after hours. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. But luckily my, my partner overhears me and -hmm. he's like, Hey, I have, I have that provider's number if you want it. So I hung Mm -hmm. up and I was like, yeah, give me the, I called him nothing. I called him twice. Mm -hmm. The first one immediately went to voicemail. So I'm like, Oh, he probably has the thing on where it like Mm -hmm. blocks numbers that he doesn't know. Uh, so I was yeah. like, okay, I'll call again. No, boom, straight to voicemail. Mm-hmm. So I, I left a voicemail and they called mm-hmm. back eventually. It was the next day. Yeah. But I was like, I was pissed. Cause I'm like, you guys ordered this as a stat outpatient study. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. need to be available to take the results. Yep. Even if they come after hours. Mm-hmm. Luckily it was, I mean, luckily it wasn't a result that was going to kill the patient immediately. Right. But it was something that they needed to address. It's important. Yeah. You know, urgently. Mm-hmm. So I was just, and it's not the first time it's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I've called several providers and they just don't answer mm-hmm. or they don't call back. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, one of them was urgent. And I'm like, l- luckily I knew they saw it because they ordered follow-up imaging. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you guys have to call me back. I have no idea that you know That's right. that I, I called you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't mention the patient's name. I can't mm-hmm. over the phone. Right. So I just say, I have some imaging results that I need to discuss with you. Mm-hmm here's my number coming. So, but they don't. And I'm just, yeah. it's only a big deal because uh, we had my program director, I think mm-hmm. in residency has mentioned several times where, you know, ED provider specifically orders a study. Mm-hmm. We read it. There's some findings that you need to know about now. Mm-hmm. So not you, the ED provider needs to know about. So we call them. They don't mm-hmm. answer. They don't respond. They don't call back, whatever. And it never gets relayed to the mm-hmm. patient and so, an adverse outcome happens with the patient and we are at fault. Yeah. Even though we tried to contact the ordering provider, mm-hmm. which, Oh my, I about, I about quit radiology yeah. right then and there. Yeah. I was like, if it's, it's, we're going to get sued because you didn't follow up the results of your study. That mm-hmm. doesn't make that's, any sense at all. No. That's so that's why this, that's why these guys not being available just pisses me off. Because yeah. I know it's going to be my ass on the line mm-hmm. if something were say this was torsion and mm-hmm. I said the the testicle is viable still yeah you know, it's two hours he's had tes- testicular pain for two hours I say it's torsion it's still viable right. if the surgeon goes in now he can save it right she could save whatever but mm-hmm. if I call and it takes you four five six hours to get back or see the results that that testicle is infarcted now and they lose it right. And then the patient's like, well, what the hell, you know, that's how important it is. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and just to piggyback off what you said, we've, uh, we've had the, the same issues with calling, calling providers with the call stat results. And some of our, some of our rads call the stat results. Majority of the radiologists that I've worked with say, blah, 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 call this in and say this to the provider. And you're like, okay, you want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, they, so we call it in, and a lot of times the provider will answer, or call us right back, and we'll give them the results, and then we have to write down on our worksheet who yeah. we ta- who, who we talk to, because a lot of times it's not the provider who calls us; it's the nurse of the provider that calls us. Yeah. Um, and so we'll write down, talk to this nurse um, at Doctor So and So's office. And so then the radiologist will read it and include in their notes that yep. it was communicated to this nurse, blah, 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 blah. But the issues we've been having, just like yours, 
we will say, okay, we are going to send this person as a stat outpatient. So we're adding you onto our schedule that's already full. Yeah, yeah. We can't, we, you know, if anybody else, if, if somebody calls scheduling that day, you're not going to get in. You're going to, you know, mm-hmm. we're booked a month out. But because your office says we need this stat, we have a relationship with your office. We say, okay, we'll fit them in here. And so we're doing this is now, okay, who do we call? You give us a phone number. We call the person over and over again. They don't answer. So we can't give you results. Just like what usually you're, you're calling, give results. We're trying to call and give results. Mm-hmm. And ultimately we get to the point where we've called too many times. We have the patient waiting out here in the hallway or out in the waiting room. And I can't, what, I can't just have you waiting out here forever, like for, yeah. you know, to get results. And so I'll put in my, I have to write in my notes, you know, tried multiple times a call unable to get in touch with left voicemail no no call returned and then that's what we put in ours impression because mm-hmm. I, I mean if it's a positive luckily when we do that it's a negative study and i'm like okay like you can go home they're not going to keep you regardless we're not going to you know but if it's a positive study then you're like okay i def i'm not letting you go you have to stay around mm-hmm. and somebody needs to answer the freaking phone like and so we've had many times they were just, they tried to give us, well, this is the office's number. And I was like, no, like I need the back line, a direct line. Yep. I need to get in touch with this person. When this study is done, I need to get in touch with them. Like, and so sometimes it's be very forceful, which is just like, come on. Like if we're working them in for you, like it's like you said, it's ridiculous. And, it, and it's, <laughs> it, it's bad. It's bad patient care. It's bad. Yeah, from the provider, it's not not the way. So here I call, right? I'll be the one that calls. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get someone, man, 20, 30 minutes, you could waste mm-hmm. trying to get a hold of somebody. So, I mean, if I don't get a hold of somebody in like five, 10 minutes, I'll uh, draft it, mm-hmm. go, you know, dictate some more studies and then come back to it and see if I can get something. But right. there's been, I've never in my life, I've already done it two or three times here. I have to say that I called, you know, mm-hmm. who I called, when I called. Mm-hmm. And I've actually said in the note or in my impression that I left a voicemail and I'm awaiting a phone call back. Mm-hmm. And if they call, like the guy that called back, you know, the other, whenever we talked about this the other day, I had to go mm-hmm. back and addend the report right? and say they called back at this time. And, <laughs> it's, and it's when you guys are calling, you're calling results. Yeah. Sometimes when I call, I, I didn't mention, we mentioned, I mentioned this off camera, but mm-hmm. when we dictate uh, studies that aren't at the main hospital, mm-hmm. we don't get a history, right? Cause it's not linked to Epic or we just get the history that you guys put in. Mm-hmm. So when I read a study and it's positive and I'm not sure if it's this, if it's X or Y, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's probably X, but let me, so sometimes I call mm-hmm. and I want history from the provider themselves because mm-hmm. you've seen, they've seen the patient. They know the labs, they know the physical exam. And I'm like, okay, you're telling mm-hmm. me this. Now I definitely know it's, it's X mm-hmm. or, oh, I didn't, now that you're telling me this, I'm leaning more towards it being this other diagnosis. Right. So I'm not always just calling to give you the results of the, to give them the results of the exam. Sometimes mm-hmm. I need some information out of you to help me, Maybe you know, steer the, you know, which diagnosis I'm, I think this is. Mm-hmm. And it can be in this case, it's a big deal because mm-hmm. it's either surgery or, antibiotics would have been the difference right and, uh, yeah and not not just surgery they would have had it was yeah. cancer so they would have had chemo mm-hmm. and all this other yeah so 
I needed that history from you. And luckily he called and gave mm. me the history. And I'm like, okay, I was thinking it was this. Now I'm like 99.9% sure it's this. Right. So that's yeah, that just, it, it's, it, when you don't have a history, this is another thing, just an aside, but when you don't have a history, man, trying mm. to dictate these studies is yeah. incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many CT admin pelvises I get. It just says pain. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't even tell me right upper quadrant, left upper. Right. You can't tell me where this pain is at. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and I, and I think sometimes I feel like we for. I know I. Sometimes I feel like the rads don't really, and maybe it's just me. Like they're like they don't really care. Like they're like, okay, well it's pain. Like whatever. I'm just gonna read it and dictate whatever I'm gonna just say. But I guess talking to you and realize that like how important it is that everything I say or everything that is told to you, you put into thought to make your dictation. And so I don't just, when I was a resident, I would just, Oh, here, Dennis saw this on the exam. That's what I'm going to put in the report. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm a little bit more competent in ultrasound, I don't just copy and paste what the ultrasound text says. Right. But I mean, your guys' history can be very, Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked, we talked about the uh, sonographic Murphy sign. I personally put a lot of uh, stock into that if it's positive. If you tell me they're on morphine, okay, mm-hmm. then fine, you know. But right. if you tell me this is an, like a native patient that's not on morphine and there's cholelithiasis and the sonographic Murphy sign is negative, even if it's even if the wall is not thick, there's no fluid around it, mm-hmm. I'm going to say equivocal and lean more towards this being positive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I take into account, you know, what you guys say. Right. And you guys usually end up talking to the patient more and getting a little bit more history. True. So even if you don't put the whole history in the uh, mm-hmm. report or whatever, you know, your mm-hmm. sheet or whatever, if you come and tell me, or if I call you and you can say, Oh yeah, he mentioned this, this, and this, I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. It's very helpful. So yeah. 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 So don't realize how important certain facts are that, you know, I guess yeah. it's kind of interesting. So um, we'll, uh, We'll get off the. We'll get off the. the grind like Peter Griffin. Yeah, grind I, I just, I just, I just shit on the ultrasound text for yeah, you know. twenty minutes. So, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll. uh I know you have some friends that are techs. We'll eventually bring them on, and yeah, you guys can, you guys can shit on. I know, I know <laughs> that techs have feelings about us, just like oh, we have sure. feelings about techs. Yeah, you read so, the Facebook groups. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Facebook groups, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, somehow we did every every time. It's already forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. We're gonna briefly talk about uh, my trip, and then mm-hmm. we're gonna play my do my favorite segment. So I will just briefly talk about. I went to, you know, Big D. Uh, what about a week ago? I guess mm-hmm. week and a half ago. Yeah. It just so happened that I had some vacation, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I looked at. Um, what there was going on in Dallas mm-hmm. and just, Oh, actually I lied. I saw a TikTok of post Malone uh, and I was like, Oh man, I've always heard he's really good live. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it showed that he was on, it was an, it was him on tour. And I'm like, Oh mm-hmm. man, I wonder where he's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm on vacation, mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it? Jesus just said, Hey man, he'll be in <laughs> Dallas while you're on vacation. Mm-hmm. Gotta love so Dallas. that's why I went. One tickets were a little pricey. Not gonna lie to you, mm-hmm. like yeah, 150 bucks for lawn seats, and I'm just like, oh my god. But you know, whatever. 
that's mm-hmm. besides the point. Mm-hmm. So I bought the tickets and went, and but I went to Dallas. Did a couple other things we can briefly mention because they were just a waste of time. I think uh, the aqu- uh, the aquarium very mm-hmm. underwhelming. Mm-hmm. More birds than anything. I'm just oh, like man. this is. And then another, I got to thinking like how ethical are aquariums and zoos. Mm. I'm just like, holy shit. I'm looking at this animal in a cage. Mm. And one of them was like 22 years old. And I'm like, you've probably been in that fucking cage since you were born. It's sad. I, I'm, I, that's just an aside. I was like, I can't support this. You know, yeah, like, it's sad. Uh, but it was underwhelming. Farmer's sure. market for yeah. Dallas, underwhelming. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Parking was a nightmare. But the yeah. farmer's market itself, underwhelming. Mm-hmm. But the main attraction was Post Malone. Right. It was crazy. Yeah. One, it was hot as balls outside. Mm-hmm. It was triple digits, you right. know, right before the concert started. We're outside. I'm getting blasted by the blasted by the sun. And <laughs> people could tell I'm redhead. I get fried. So true. You, you have to show up early because it's law and it's first come, first serve. So you sit wherever you can and showed up like two hours early and there's already just gazillions of people mm-hmm. so pretty gamers but went he had an opening band that was probably actually more my style but he comes out and he's from i forget where somewhere in texas close to dallas mm. i think he was born in new york and he moved there so he was is a little extra special i think for him to be in mm-hmm. dallas that's cool so he he comes out, I forget what song he started with. I recorded like the first 20 seconds of every song that he did. Mm-hmm. But he was extremely, he's energetic. He's very involved, very upbeat and energetic when he performs. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been to other concerts where I liked the music better. Like I've been to Blink-182. Their music to me is better than his. So I just like mm-hmm. it more. Mm-hmm. But they are not even remote, like a quarter of the performer that he is. He's, you know, he's very energetic. He's very uh, entertaining. He's engaged. He talks with the audience. Mm-hmm. He's, he seems like a humble dude. It was, yeah. he's, it, you know, that's how he presented himself. Mm-hmm. So, and he does like an hour and a half, maybe two hour show. And I mean, he's cooking the whole time. I don't mm-hmm. know how he did it. Yeah. I mean, you can see why they do drugs. But to keep <laughs> the energy they have, you got to oh, do something. God. He would, it was a hundred degrees outside. Yeah. So. He's young. I don't he's know. Young. Yeah, he's it's crazy. That got me thinking. He is young. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. There are levels to success, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, you and I are successful, and then mm-hmm. I mean, but he's he's just ultra. Yeah. So so he's he told us twenty eight maybe, and he's yeah, been so. popular for God knows how long already. Right. Yeah. And you're just like, holy, what kind of failure am I that this man is twenty eight, <laughs> and he's that popular? You know, way more famous than I could ever hope to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then. Just to piggyback off of that, we took an Uber afterwards, mm-hmm. and she told us uh, Taylor Swift was in town whenever, and she's like, she sold out. She sold out AT and T Stadium, which is where the Cowboys play, mm-hmm. three days in a row. And I'm like, that's a hundred thousand people each time. Yeah. So you think Post Malone's popular? Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift dwarfs this man. Yeah, there was maybe twenty thousand people at his show. Maybe mm-hmm. she did yeah. five times that three days in a row. It's incredible. Well, the, I don't know if I told you, but Taylor Swift's been single-handedly boosting the economy. Yeah, you can see uh, why because concerts hundred thousand people for one. That's one city. Mm-hmm. She did that three days. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and her ticket sales are, I mean, it was like $1,400 on average for a ticket. Yeah. yeah. It's Stupid. Just, it's just so crazy. you think, you think Post Malone, people like this are famous. Yeah. There's just people that make them look like mm-hmm. average people. Yep. And, but, and, uh, uh, just like us, you know, we look like an average person. Somebody else might say, you know, yeah. it, there, there's always levels of, of average or whatever, yeah. you know, greatness. But, uh, I mean, it was really good. He has my uh, aesthetic, I guess, because he's covered in tattoos. Mm-hmm. So he's so that's kind of the aesthetic that I have and want. I won't go face his face. Mm-hmm. And he has head. He had his hair grown out so he couldn't see his head tattoos. But I don't know why I'm such a big fan, but I'm a huge yeah. fan of, of that man. Probably because he has my aesthetic. He's very – he seems like – I think genuinely he seems like a nice dude. Yeah. And that's the best uh, – that's the, my favorite part of him. Right. That's what a lot of people so, say too. A lot of people say that he's a humble guy, that you know he's like yes sir, no ma'am, mm-hmm. kind. It was really, there was one um, uh, song or you know whatever he did. Uh, oh, what's it called? The pit where the you know, the people are like right up next to the stage. Yep, yep. I don't know if it was planned or whatever, but he picked the dude out of the out of the pit and mm-hmm. you know told him to come on stage and he actually let him play the guitar while he sang. He coached yeah. him through, he gave him like two or three minutes. He coached him. He was like, here's, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then he just said, fuck it, we're going. And he just, and the dude nailed it. I mean, he nailed it. And then he gave him a, you know, he, I think the guy was going to have it tattooed, but he, he's uh, post Malone signed his arm. So I think he's going to have it tattooed on him. He signs. And then ha- after he's like done and he's leaving the stage, you could see uh, post Malone point to somebody behind the stage or something. Mm-hmm. and like give a thumbs up or, so i'm pretty sure that dude got to either go on the tour bus or meet him oh, man. you know after the show so, so it was really it was really cool yeah that so, kind of stuff is really cool it makes me want to uh, you know now we gotta uh, maybe i'll dm him on instagram and see if there you can. go once we get it once we get a couple more followers maybe yeah <laughs> but uh i mean it was it was cool mm-hmm. it's a little depressing because you know like your man i'll never be as successful or talented as that dude he's actually a really good singer the live mm-hmm. he's really good you yeah. go to blink 182 tom DeLong sucks like he is garbage but post more he is actually really good his voice is really good so yeah oh, it was well worth the you know worth the price six hundred dollars that i spent driving and buying and it's just, it's crazy how much money that they make off of these people Mm-hmm. They well, were selling lawn chairs, you know, like twenty mm-hmm. bucks a piece. That place, there were thousands of chairs. All his merchandise, all the like, all the money he probably doesn't see. That place just raked right. it in right. off of that man. So, well, and and, it, and I think a lot of it, even the, I was watching different things, and the, the companies like a lot of times own these singers, and so they like own their names. They own because when they start out, they don't have anything, and so they're willing mm-hmm. to sign away this and that and this and that. And then when they get big they're yep. they're owned by somebody else already and they're like well i don't even own my own name anymore like yeah just, and so that's crazy i saw oh. that with um john cena that's mm. his government name and he's like yeah vince mcmahon owns my government owns my name. name i'm just like i mean it's worth it right he's ultra famous and rich and yada but that's crazy that you just sign away your government name. <laughs> when you're when you're desperate you're like i'm trying to make it so whatever you need sign it away now and i'm not desperate so no yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god just don't get rid of rad talk yeah no no, no. that's under your name so yeah that's there you go that's fine um 
All right, okay. last part. We get to do my favorite question or Here's my favorite it. segment, which is the question. Mm-hmm. This one was this was easy for me, um, but my the question for today is, what is one thing that you like that would traditionally be considered geeky or nerdy? Mm-hmm. And you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. Mine's super easy, but it would be mythology. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big I'm big into mainly Greek and Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. I have, you know this, but I have, uh, I've started a leg sleeve for Greek mythology. I have Kratos and I have some other guys. I'm actually going yeah, next month to get it worked on some more, mm. but uh, I'm a huge into, you know, Greek, Norse. Yeah. I, I do Norse on the other side, you know, so I get the war and mm-hmm. Loki and Odin, all those guys. But uh, right. I think most people would consider that probably... I'm sure there's a difference between geeky and nerdy. I think this is, I don't know, geeky maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely, mm. I think most people would think it's geeky or nerdy. I think so too. Yeah. But it's unique to you. I mean, that's, that's, that's you. And maybe at some point you'll post a couple of these tattoos, give maybe the tattoo artist a shout out or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's much more famous than I am, but yeah. <laughs> maybe down the line we'll do, we'll do something. Yeah. Like um, okay. My, geeky or nerdy thing it's gonna be you're gonna really think i'm like hardcore geeky nerdy um i have been into pokemon (laughs) it's like it's like a guilty pleasure like when i was a kid i was really big into pokemon and so then when pokemon go came back i was like oh my gosh like this is when i was like in middle school like this was like so cool and and so yeah. i still will play like pokemon go or do you have cards and stuff no i i i have cards probably from when i was a kid like i held on to different cards but it's more just like the games i play the games i've always enjoyed the games who's um, your favorite probably charizard oh very typical i know I yeah know, come on but you know i watched that movie that one movie where charizard saved uh saved ash as he was about to die in that fiery pit i don't remember which one it was um i think it's one with mewtwo it might have been the first movie might have been the mewtwo original. was my favorite he's a stud yeah he uh, was. but they just they just closed the chapter on ash right they just got rid of him for yeah yeah i think so, I think so. whatever so, which is I, I never got into pokemon so but you just know all about ash and charizard and mewtwo yeah sure yeah yeah <laughs> mewtwo i like him yeah so. he's a bad bad dude but yeah, I think that's probably like something. Yeah, for sure. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, I'll be so. like walking around like the hospital on my break or something. And oh like, my oh, god! Yeah, yeah, I know. It's wow. Like, if you're bored, you know, it just it gives me steps. I get my steps in. Yeah, that's what that's what people say. It gives my steps yeah. in. That's all. That's all I'm here for. Just get my. Just it's not that really. It's just all about the steps. That's yeah. Huh? We well, somehow drug out another fifty-five minutes. So. Yeah, I think I think this is going to conclude episode eleven, which is awesome. Um, I know we've been not putting out as much um, consistently. These, yeah, consistently of these podcasts, but we're gonna we're gonna try to continue to put out some more. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to get into, even um, I guess, uh, stuff like you know bachelor parties that happened, and you know different different little tidbits about our lives that we can talk about so um, we'll get we'll get into that in the future episodes and then don't forget i've been putting out some some dank ass memes on yes yes social media 
Gage is killing it. So we're on uh, TikTok, we're on Instagram, YouTube. I started a Facebook, um, I guess it's called a page. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like our our Facebook page, but mm-hmm. it's a group page. I don't know, whatever it is. I started the one on Facebook. Okay. So we have all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the TikTok and Instagram, YouTube is rad underscore talk underscore DG. Mm-hmm. We're almost at fifty followers actually on TikTok. I mean, on YouTube, I don't. We have. I don't ever. I don't update you on the YouTube, but it does way better than TikTok. Yeah, so, currently, right. Mm-hmm. As long as that algorithm so, keeps going, yeah. Yeah, follow us. You can like the memes, mm-hmm. and then obviously search Red Talk on Spotify, Apple, Podbean. Mm-hmm. That's where the podcast, the audio portion of it is. So. Right. And and uh, Rad Talk with DG. If anybody wants any sponsors, Rad Talk with DG at gmail.com. Excuse me. Yeah. If you want to throw us a sponsor or you want to, want to yeah, talk about it. something else or whatever that is, we got to, yeah, we need a sponsor so we can monetize. Since we both hate our day jobs, we have to start monetizing. <laughs> so, we so we quit. So we quit. I'll, talk, I'll talk about it if I don't have to work it too. But going <laughs> to work it and then coming home to talk about it. Yeah. Mm, too much. It's not good. So. But cool. Episode All right, I think that'll books. wrap us up, and uh, we'll uh, see you guys in the next one. Yep. Take care.